Hey everyone, welcome Hold to on. the. Wow. I didn't know you were gonna be that loud. Hey everyone, and welcome to the real toss. <laughs> Bro. Take two. Can't even say our own podcast. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to the Real Talk Podcast, episode two. My name is Megan Robin, and I'm here with my handsome husband, Grant Robin. Babe, say hi. What up? <laughs> In this episode, we want to talk about being real, what that looks like, and why it's so hard to do it. So, babe, why don't you tell them why we decided to call this podcast the Real Talk Podcast? Yeah. So, you know, we, I think we were looking around, you know, I'm a big podcast guy, so I listen to a lot of podcasts and, uh, we were just kind of looking around and we, we just saw kind of a gap in, in not just podcasting, but in the Christian world in general. And Mm -hmm. I think we're big proponents for just being real, being authentic. And it's something that you've helped me grow in a lot, um, in my walk. And I think it's really, um, not common in the Christian world for people to be real and for people to be authentic. And it's sad. And and we just wanted to be proponents for real talk, you know, like Mm -hmm. just being our real selves and having conversations that a lot of people weren't willing to have. And uh, I think it's so healthy, man. I think it's so healthy when we can just be real. And so that's what we're doing here on this podcast is we just want to have authentic conversations um, and, you know, I, I put it in our post and, and we kind of liked how it was worded. So I think we're going to kind of stick with it. It's like, we're not here to teach you anything. We're mm-hmm. not here to preach to you. Yeah. We're just here to have real conversations and be our authentic selves. And we hope that when we do that, it'll encourage everybody else to do that as well. And I think in doing that, we're all just going to grow and just grow together. And uh, I think it hopefully is going to help people, encourage people. If not, we're going to have a lot of fun doing it and it'll help (laughs) and encourage us. So it won't be for nothing. Here we go. So I guess let's start with, um, you know, how would you define being real? You know, we're saying real talk. We're saying, hey, we're talking about being real. So how would you define that? How would you, what what would you say? What what is being real to you? Well, I think that... um Honesty is difficult for people because you know how they say the truth hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, honesty and truth reveal the ugly parts of ourselves or our lives, um, the parts that are unacceptable. It's kind of like exposure. Being real is, you know, taking away all the fluff, all the the clout all the pretending and the posing and it's just getting down to the raw truth of the matter, the good, the bad and everything in between and owning it. Yeah. No, I love that. You know, we, we, uh, we, we, we jacked this from uh, Mike Todd transformation church, but Mm -hmm. we like to say, keep it hot, keep it honest, open and transparent H O T. And uh, we've been kind of saying that around our friend circles and everything is like, it's like, that is really true. Be honest at all times. Be open. Like you said, the the good, the bad, the ugly, <laughs> just being open and being transparent. Because I think if we just walk around hiding things, if we just walk around, you know, with all this stuff bottled up in, inside of us, what's going to happen and, and what we've even found in our own friendships and relationships is you're going to start to have resent for, resentment for people and you don't even know why. Yeah. You're going to start to have these grudges with people or these arguments or just different things that it's like, how do we even get here? And it's probably because we just believe lies about each other, you know, like we've made <laughs> assumptions about each other or, you know, you said something to me and I took that as something else, but that's not even really how you meant it. And it's only when we're real with one another and have those conversations that we can truly, you know, have growth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And taking that even a step further for me, when I felt like I couldn't be honest with the people around me or honest with myself, 
um, I kind of developed this double life where you have the real me, the real Megan, um, who only comes out when I'm alone at home. And then you have this other person that I created and strategically crafted to please the world you know somebody who the church would be proud of somebody who my mom would be proud of somebody who my friends would be proud of and it was so crazy trying to spend all of this energy on being something being someone that I'm not it's exhausting yeah exactly and I love how you worded that being something you're not uh, one thing that I've been learning about uh, through some podcasts that I've been listening to is uh, this concept of differentiation. That's like a big word. I'm like, what, is even, <laughs> what does that even mean? But, uh, I, you know, I, I had to look it up, obviously. And, uh, you know, so differentiate, the, the, the definition that I found was just to recognize or ascertain what makes someone or something different. And so basically this concept of differentiation is living out of who you truly are, not something that you're not. So to be able to differentiate, this is who I am, this is where I am in my walk with God, and these are my weaknesses, these are my strengths, and this is the path that I'm on. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily saying, you know, it's not, it's not just making an excuse for bad behavior, like that's not what it is, but it's, it's being real, being authentic, and being okay with the fact that you're on a process, you know, and not yeah. feeling the need to to hide that or at least us being able to create an environment where people don't feel the need that they have to hide that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like li- differentiation, differentiation, living out of who you truly are, living out of a place of who you are, not trying to be fake, not trying to, you know, live up to expectations. And I think that that's something that I struggled with for a while growing up in church culture is just feeling the need. Like you said, having that double life. I had the same exact thing. (laughs) I was, you know, serving in my youth group, but I was also addicted to pornography in my private life, but nobody knew about that. Or I remember a whole year in 2017 when I was struggling with depression and anxiety and just loneliness and all these things I was struggling with, but yet I was still serving with our young adults. I was still preaching. I was still working in ministry and that's fine. You can have those two things at the same time, but the problem was nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about my struggles because I didn't feel like I could be real. I I wasn't being real, you know? Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, You know, there were months and months where I was going out and partying and drinking and in unhealthy relationships, but I would still show up to church on Sunday and lead worship Or, you know, there were times in my life where I was struggling with some very dark depression, um, anger issues, but I would still go out in public, put on a smile and be this bubbly person that no one ever really got to know on a deeper level. And um, so now I love what you said, you know, everybody embracing the process that you're on this journey with yourself. And I think one thing I realized for me is like who we are and what we believe about ourselves. Some of those beliefs may not be true or they may not be in line with what God thinks about us. And so what I love about that process, especially recently, is that, you know, God's been revealing a lie to me. Like, hey, Megan, you believe this about yourself you believe that um, you're not good enough, Mm. but that's a lie. And so a part of being honest about what I'm feeling, like, hey, babe, I I struggle. I feel like I'm not good enough, like I'm worthless. Being honest about that shines a light on the lie of the enemy, and it allows God to heal me in that place of rejection where, you know, somewhere in my past— uh, I was rejected and I felt worthless. It told me, you're not good enough. And so now I get to, in a healthy way, go through this process of healing and to grab a new truth, the real truth about myself, which is 
I am enough and I'm awesome. And so, you know, I love that process. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that you mentioned that because I, again, I don't want people to take, oh, you know, who I am. Like, this is just who I am. You just got to deal with, you know, like there's a (laughs) lot of people that do that. They're like, you know, they're like jerks to people and they're like, well, that's just me. You just gonna have to deal with it. But differentiation and, and knowing who you truly are is, is that takes a lot of self-reflection. That takes a lot of getting alone with God and asking and figuring out because honestly, until recently, until we started studying like things like the Enneagram and just started growing, like I had no idea who I was, you know, like I thought I did, but I really didn't. And I'm not a very self-reflective person. I'm the type of person that just kind of floats throughout life and has fun and all that kind of stuff, you know? True. So (laughs) this whole process of is, has been me discovering who I truly am because I can't be truly real if, unless I know who God created me to be, what are Mm -hmm. my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are areas that, you know, I'm not necessarily gifted in, but, Mm -hmm. and what are the areas that I am gifted in? So I can start working in those areas and not trying to be something that I'm not. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about being real. It's not just having an excuse for being a jerk. Mm -hmm. It's learning who you truly are and being authentic and being real in that. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a growing process. Right. You know, you don't want to hang on to all the trash and garbage on the inside of you because ultimately that stuff is destructive. So of course, like Grant said, we're not saying it's an excuse to just be who you are, but it's a, it's a an opportunity for us to self-examine, keep it real, take out what's not good, what's unhealthy, what's destructive, and then embrace uh, the truth and embrace the good parts and build on that and really discover what God says about us and how he views us, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit, because we've mentioned a little bit already, even like how being real is so rare in the Christian world. And I don't know if you're listening to this, you know, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you believe in. You know, I'm hoping that even non-Christians are listening to this and that you're you know, hopefully getting something out of it. We're not here to push anything on you, but we do, we are Christians. We do believe in God. We love God. We live for him with everything that we are. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I believe that being in that sphere, 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 being in that sphere, we have come up, we've, we've both been in church for a long time. Yeah. And what I've noticed is being real is way more rare in the church world, which to me seems like the complete opposite. Because when I read about Jesus, when I read the Bible, you know, there's nobody that lived out of a place of who he was better than Jesus. There's nobody that was more real and authentic with people than Jesus. And yet we've created this culture in Christendom that is very, um, you have to be fake. You have to put on, you have to put on this exterior every time you go out in public, you know, cause people know me, people know I'm a Christian. I have to be this way. I have to do this way and I have to look like this in front of my friends. So I guess what, what do you think, what would you attribute like to that lack of being real in Christianity, but even in general, like, why do you think it's so hard for people to be real? Well, I think first and foremost, at least for me, I didn't want to face judgment from other people. You know, anytime people see a flaw or an imperfection or anything resembling a sin nature, uh, a fleshly desire or whatever it may be, it's met with judgment and uh, or shame. Um, You know, they make you feel small or less than or like your mistakes are bigger than they are, like no one else is making those same mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then just feeling guilty, like I'm in a courtroom on trial, and the whole time just feeling like a, a felon who's going to jail for things that I'm struggling with. Uh, Sometimes I think people aren't real and honest because it's met with anger. Mm. 
you know, like, I can't believe you would do that. Or um, just a big reaction comes from being honest with someone. Or a lot of Christians just try to fix you. Like, um, you know, let me give you this scripture and this method. Do this and you can be perfect just like me. It's like, you know, it's giving the truth. First of all, truth hurts. Like when you're revealing truth to somebody, it can be painful to be vulnerable and to expose yourself in that way. Um, And it can be dangerous to put yourself out there if you're met with any of these negative things that I've just said. It's a completely and totally unhealthy environment sometimes in the church world or just in the world in general to come out and tell your truth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you feel like the main reason why it's hard for people to be real is not necessarily what happens to them internally, but how people respond to their authenticity. Yeah. Because they feel like, if I'm real, if I admit a struggle that I ha- that I'm having, if I feel anger, if I feel if I if I come up short, if I fail in any way, if I don't meet expectation in any way, it'll be reached with shame, with judgment, with mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like and not to mention gossip, you know, a lot of people struggle with keeping that stuff to themselves, you know? It's like this weird thing of like, oh my gosh, let me tell you what happened with so-and-so. And it just spreads and the story gets twisted. And that's a whole other level of exposure, like public humiliation. That's like shame times a hundred that no one ever wants to feel. It's like you're standing in front of a classroom and everyone you know, read the secret letter that was being passed around and it's all about you. It's humiliating. And that's happened to me before multiple times where, you know, how did this person hear about what I'm going through? I trusted somebody confidentially with this information. How did it get around? So that's like, you know, another element. Yeah. You you talked to me a while back and about something that you called the shame culture Mm -hmm. in church. Why don't you Explain a little bit about that. Yeah, I think for me, um, part of why I didn't want to reveal any of my flaws or what I was going through in church was that the few times that I did, I felt so ashamed after. Um, Almost like, you know, you see a dog hanging his head low with his tail between his legs just um like almost like I was irredeemable and uh I don't think people are taught how to respond when someone shares a truth with them I don't think that people are taught so I'm not blaming anyone I'm just saying that the environment uh for being honest just wasn't there what so what happened like what like how did they respond that made you feel that? Cause I think it's so important for us to learn. Cause I know, I, you know, I can speak for myself growing up in church. Um, and I'm a naturally optimistic person. So mm. I, I, I typically tend to believe the best about people. <laughs> and what I found is that when somebody doesn't reach the expectation I had in my mind, which is dumb because I'm just, you know, assuming that they're these, just these perfect Christians that never mess up, which is obviously never going to be the case. And so when I find out something about somebody, I tend to be like, whoa. And like, it changes my perspective of them almost. Like I don't, I no longer see them as a good Christian. Now I see them as a tainted Christian or, you know what (laughs) I mean? Like this horrible mentality that I've noticed over the years that I've had to combat of like, no, that's just a person that has issues like all like the rest of us. Else. So I guess what what are how how did they respond to to that, and how did that make you feel? Yeah, I think the biggest and most traumatic response was isolation, 
or just distance. Um, you know, they don't want to hang out anymore. Or they don't want to be around you. It's like you're wearing a scarlet letter um, on your chest. Like, uh, it's a, like, I don't want to include her anymore because she's, ooh. Um, another, and that made me feel rejected and sad and ashamed of myself and lonely. Um, another reaction is, you know, people being angry or just saying things like, wow, like shocked, like, wow, you did that? Or, wow, you feel that way? Like overreacting. Or, yeah, like a big overreaction um, <laughs> that the guilt and shame that I was already carrying myself uh, it was just piled on by that reaction. Um, yeah, and I I think another one would be when people try to fix you, you know, preach at you, teach at you from their high and mighty position of better, like I'm better than you. Um, it just makes you feel kind of small. Yeah, so really, you know, we've got to be careful with, you know, we, we have to facilitate a culture of authenticity. Yeah. And that goes for our marriage. That goes for our, eventually when we have kids, for us as, as, as parents. That goes for our churches. That goes for our friend groups. You know, like if any friend that I have, you know, the the, the number of friends that I, that I consider my best friends, they're my best friends because when they came to me, they were they could they felt like they could be honest with me they felt like they could be their real authentic selves because i didn't judge them because i didn't jump to conclusions i've had a number of friends that have come to me and kind of confided like you know about things that they were doing that they knew may, maybe weren't right and they came to me because they went to other friends and maybe those friends reacted very poorly judgmentally like well, you should know better. You should know mm -hmm. not to live like that. You're better than that. Like, and yeah. I get that. I get that we should hold our friends accountable, but there's a level of like, when somebody comes to you, they don't want you to just rebuke them. They want you to kind of hear them out and see them as humans and see them as not as their mistake, but as who they really are. And I think you've been so good about that is like being able to, you know, there've been times where it's like, oh yeah, so-and-so did this. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> How could they? And you're like, babe, you got to understand like this, this, and this, and they're struggling with this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, 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 that makes sense. You know, yeah. and you've kind of helped give me that perspective because you're somebody that's gone through things where you've been shamed. And so you have a perspective like, I don't want to do that with anybody else. And so you've helped me to kind of, you know, not judge people, but to see everybody as people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's the key to being real is to seeing people as people and to knowing that, hey, everybody has struggles. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got crap that they're dealing with. True, true, true. You know, like I do. How can I look <laughs> at somebody and be like, how dare you? You know? Mm -hmm. And so the, the real key to all this is, you know, there's a verse that says, um, by this, they will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And I think, that if we don't love people, if we don't speak truth in love, if we don't love people when they're real to us, then we're not even disciples of Christ. People don't even know that we're disciples because we're just going to look like everyone else, you know? And I think that we, by the way that we treat people is to the level of how real they're going to be to us, Yeah. you know? And yeah. so we have to facilitate that culture of hey, it's okay for you to be real. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to help you. You know, I'm, I want to encourage you. I want to I want to be there for you and, and help, help you figure this thing out. But I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to think differently of you. Yeah, and I think to be even more practical and specific about what a safe environment looks like for authenticity and honesty, I think first and foremost be grateful, have gratitude, like thank you so much that you would come to me and trust me with your truth, trust me with your nitty gritty or whatever you've been hiding, 
thank you so much that you would trust me to come to me and share that with me. I think we have to be thankful that they would do that because it's a big deal for somebody to come to you. And secondly, being understanding, you know, being understanding, like you said, like we're all people going through our own story. And thirdly, empathy, Um, you know, saying me too, like, hey, I might not have gone through exactly what you've been through, but I remember a time in my life where fill in the blank, because that being able to relate to somebody, even if it's small, um, makes them feel comforted. Or at least for me, that in the past has made me feel at ease in sharing something so hard. And lastly, like this is such a big one, you guys have to stay calm. (laughs) Don't freak out. (laughs) Right? Yeah, you know, I think that... um you know, anytime that I've been honest with somebody or been real or been my real authentic self and they reacted with any of those things that you just said, it's like, you're not going to want to go back to that person. You know what I mean? Like those are the people that I don't feel comfortable being myself around. My best friends, the people that I can truly be myself around are the people that don't do that. They don't overreact. They don't try to fix me. They just love me. And they walk with me through it. You know, they encourage me. And I think too, Grant, like the times in our marriage (laughs) when (laughs) when I've come at you kind of in an attacking, overreacting way, you just got defensive. Like you put up the defenses, the walls, the hold up. And from that point on, it was not good. It was not healthy. It wasn't conflict resolution. It was combat, you know. Yeah, and it's like what you said, like feeling empathy. Like nobody wants to feel like they're a horrible person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to feel like, hey, you're a horrible person for feeling this way. You're a horrible person for thinking this way. Like what they need to know is that they're not the only ones. Right. (laughs) What they need to know is that, hey, you're not the only one that struggles with that. I struggle with that too. I know people who struggle with that. And there's a way out. Like you can, you can get better. You know, it's the difference between conviction and condemnation. You know, condemnation says you messed up and you're a horrible person because of it. Mm -hmm. Conviction says, Hey, you may have messed up, but that's not the end. That doesn't define who you are. There's a way out. You know what I mean? And it's God is always going to convict you. He's never going to condemn you. You know, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if, if Jesus isn't going to condemn people, Why are we condemning people? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Why are we making them feel horribly for who they are? And even if the person isn't a Christian, the Bible says kindness, kindness leads people to repentance. Mm, That's good. So just being kind, listening. The first thing in the love scripture, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. That means, shh, be quiet. Just listen. Be a listening ear. And be kind. And just that can open the door for somebody to want to be better and move forward. Yeah, Pete Scazzaro has a quote that I wrote down. It's a, he said, By failing to let others be themselves before God and move at their own pace, we inevitably project onto them our own discomfort with their choice to live life differently than we do. And I loved that because it's like, we're all on a journey, you know, and I may be further along than some people. I may be way behind compared to some people. And everybody has their own journey that they have to walk through. And our job is simply to be there to help them along that journey. You know, our job isn't to, you know, you know, I I love how people have put it when they've spoke to me is like, hey, our job is just to plant seeds and it's the Holy Spirit's job to grow, Mm -hmm. you know? So our job is to listen. Our job is to feel empathy. Our job is just to plant seeds of encouragement, building people up. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is the one that grows people and takes them on that journey. You know, there've been so many times where I've, you've been struggling with something and I said something that I felt like was the solution 
but that wasn't what you needed to hear in the moment. And then you heard that very same thing from like Stephen Furtick a week later in a sermon and it like hit you. And I'm like, I literally just said that. But it was because in the moment I was just there to plant a seed. I wasn't there to like Holy Spirit was going to hit you when the Holy Spirit had it. You when know what I mean? My heart was ready. Right. But you're, but my, you're, you weren't ready to hear that in the moment. And I, that wasn't my job in the moment. My job in the moment was just to listen. My job in the moment was just to be there for you, comfort you. Yeah. And I think it's important to feel people out. I love this uh, imagery. If you think of a car, you know, a car in park cannot be pushed. That person is not going anywhere. They're not budging. They don't want to hear it. Get out my face. A car in neutral, somebody who's, you know, kind of in the middle, they might receive a seat or two. Um, you might be able to push a little bit. But then sometimes you talk to somebody and it's like a car in drive. They're hungry mm. for help, for advice, for a word. They're hungry for change in their life. So I think it's important for us to use just discernment, feel it out in the moment, you know, and see what you're dealing with. What is an example <laughs> dun, dun, dun. of a time uh, in our relationship where maybe you knew you needed to be honest, you knew you needed to be real, but it was difficult for you? Okay, real talk? Real talk. That's okay. the name of the podcast. Well, we've been married for almost nine months, and I would have to say one of the big ones is in sex <laughs> it's been tough because you know they tell you as newlyweds okay guys the most important thing in the marriage bed is to communicate but oh my gosh it was so difficult for me to muster up the courage and the boldness to say hey babe um you did a great job, but there's one thing but. that, you know, and that goes for anything. You know, when you, babe, have the best of intentions, like you're doing the best that you can, it's so hard for me to be honest about something that wasn't working for me. Like, hey, uh, I don't know. I can't think of anything. Right. And I know like. For me, the times where I've received that well are the times when I felt comfortable being real or I felt comfortable being weak, yeah. right? So there's been times where I've messed up, whether in sex or just in life in general. I've done things that just maybe didn't work or maybe hurt you or whatever. And your reaction was, and I've done this too, but your reaction was like, maybe a little bit more aggressive or maybe a little bit more like emotional. <laughs> yeah. Why'd you do that? Or, you know, and, mm -hmm. but in reality I was just growing and I didn't even know that I was hurting you because I am weak, you know, and I do have struggles and especially in, in the area of sex, I was learning cause I was a virgin coming in. And so there's a lot of things I just didn't know. Yeah. And so the moments that I've received that, I guess, what would you call it? Like correction, I guess, for yeah. lack of a better word. The moment I've received that the best were the moments where I felt comfortable being humble, right? Mm -hmm. Because being humble is a hard thing to do. Admitting that you're weak is a hard thing to do. Yeah. But it's easier when the other person makes you feel comfortable. Like, hey, it's okay that you're, it's okay that you don't know. It's, hey, yeah. you didn't know that that hurt me. I'm just letting you know yeah. so that next time you do. And it, when it's met with that, and this goes back into just real life in general, is like when it's met with that, it's like, okay, now I feel comfortable admitting my weakness. Whereas the moments where I was defensive were the moments where I felt you were questioning me as a, as a person, as a man, you know, like making me feel little, like those are the moments like where I'll get defensive. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I've had to learn that in my communication skills. Grant has really helped me to 
you kind of have to set up the communication for success. You know, like assuring the person, hey, I love you. You are amazing. I cherish you and treasure you. And this was awesome. I just want to talk about one thing, one opportunity that for next time we can do better or we can grow in. And that way the person feels safe, but you keeping it real with them. Right. (laughs) And speaking of keeping it real, you've, I mean, you've even said to yourself, like, it's hard to do that because in the moment you don't feel like being all, Hey babe, you know, it's like, no, what you did pissed me off, you know, like, (laughs) and you're like frustrated. And it's like, sometimes it takes, you know, taking a step back. Yeah. Taking a deep breath (laughs) so that you can react in Mm -hmm. a calm way because, you know, I would imagine it's tough to do that in any area. It's tough to do that in marriage when you're constantly surrounded by people. I'd imagine it's going to be tough to do that in parenting. You know, when your kid comes to you or they do something dumb and to be calm and to not react out of anger, you know, I would imagine that that will be tough, you know? So it takes growing in that now so that when a friend or when uh, a member of our church or somebody that we're discipling, um, is open and honest with us. We're not reacting just out of emotion, but we're we're giving them a comfortable place to be real. Yeah, and I've one thing that I've really been doing lately that has helped so much is leaving the room. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, if I feel frustrated or if I feel angry, I will say, "Okay, just give me a few minutes." I need to go be by myself. And literally the other day, I went in the living room, sat on the couch. I prayed. I journaled a little. I watched a little Netflix just to like get my mind off of it. Seek the Lord. Calm down. And then I don't know how long it was, maybe 10, 20 minutes or so. Grant came out of the room and was like, okay, let's talk. Let's keep it real. Let's be honest. Now that we're not in the heat of the moment, we have a safe environment to keep it real and be honest with each other about what is going on here. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, on the topic of being real and being authentic is I think we, I think in order to be real, we have to be okay with the fact that we're weak. And I love in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking to God. He's got this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what the thorn is. It could have been a sickness. It could have been, you know, whatever. We don't know what it was. But he's talking to God and he's asking him to remove this thorn in his flesh. And I love what God says. He says that my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I think... The key to being real is understanding that we don't have to have it all together, that we don't have to be perfect. In fact, if we were, we wouldn't need God. Mm-hmm. It's the very weakness in us that allows God to be God in our lives. Because yeah. if we were perfect, we wouldn't need God. But it's the fact that we are weak, the fact that we're not perfect, the fact that we have a flesh that we've got to fight through, like that is... God's power is made perfect in that because he can step in and say, all right, you get, you get me 20% there. I'll, I'll finish the rest of the 80%, you know, and that's what allows us to, to be who we are in Christ is our own weakness, you know? And on the flip side, I think what the enemy tries to do with our weakness is he tries to keep it in the dark. Like the devil does his best work in the darkest secret places. That's so true. And so the longer we keep things hidden and secret, the more power that we give the enemy over our lives. But the minute that we can be brave enough to shine a light on those hidden things, to bring it to light and to get it out there, I think that it robs him of power. I think it gives the power back to God. And yeah. like you said, that strip, that scripture is activated and God can be shown strong through our weakness. But I think if it's hidden, God cannot 
heal what we don't reveal. You know, if we don't give it to him, if we don't hand it over, if we don't put it out there, he cannot touch it. He can't do anything with it. And so that's the power of, you know, the truth setting you free from from that darkness in those hidden places. And one revelation that I've had is, you know, honesty isn't trying to hurt you. I think that for so long, for me anyway, I ran from being honest Mm -hmm. because it hurt, it made me cry, it was hard to face myself or face the truth of the matter. I'd rather just avoid it and deflect whatever I could do to keep the truth far, far away from me and just live in what I used to call this la-la land in my mind. I would do it because it was easier. But when when you just embrace honesty completely and totally being your real self, you can really start healing some of those places, you know, instead of carrying that with you every day. Absolutely. And, you know, um, we're all on a process, you know, Mm -hmm. it's called sanctification, right? Like that's the the Christian word for it, but really it's just growth. It's just discipleship. We're all in a process, whether you're Christian, non-Christian, we're all in a process of growing. We're getting better each day. We're getting closer to God each day. And there's things inside of us that we've got to deal with, but we will never deal with it unless we first admit that it's even there, you know? And so by being real, by being authentic, like you said, we allow God to shape us. We allow God to make us better. And there are are areas in my life, like, like one example I can think of is the selfishness within me. I literally went my whole life thinking I was a selfless person. And then God started to reveal to me that I wasn't just like a few years ago. And it, I had to first admit like, okay, I am weak. I am weak in this area. And then once I've done that, God sent me on this journey of growing. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm not a very self-reflective person, this part is hard for me because I don't take the time to contemplate. I don't take the time to figure out why did I feel that way? How did that make me feel? Why did I feel that way? Why did I react that way? I don't do that. And I think people need to do that. People need to be thinking about that. People need to be contemplating themselves and contemplating how they're reacting to things. And, you know, like that's why the Enneagram has been so, you know, transformational for my life because it started to, as I was reading about type sevens, I started to understand myself like, oh, that's why I react that way. That's why I felt that way. Yeah. And it's only when I started to realize that, that I've grown more ever since. I started to really grow because I started to realize that. Because I was real with myself to say, actually, yeah, I, I am weak in that area. I yeah. do struggle. And that's when God started to grow me, you know? Yeah, and I've gotten to watch over the past couple of years of knowing you. I have seen this process in action in your life. You going from you know, not knowing, not even really ever thinking about selflessness and then realizing it, accepting it, like I have some things to work on in this area and then watching you day by day, um, situation by situation, face that test of selflessness versus selfishness and pass and pass and pass and now two years later here we are and my god you guys he is an amazing husband he's thoughtful he's more selfless than he's ever been and I'm looking at a completely different person in this area so it is amazing what God can do when you are honest and you hand that stuff over yeah you're too kind (laughs) babe you didn't tell them one time that it was hard for you to be honest I thought you'd forget about that question (laughs) (laughs) um so one area so you know the way that we've been real in our relationship when we've kept it real from day one in our relationship and the way that we've done that was through honesty. Your number one thing in in marriage and in relationships is honesty. Without it, you you can't have a, a friendship with this Megan. This is very true. You've got to be honest. And so, 
I think I even mentioned this on the last pod that we talk to each other. We, we say things like we talk to each other about things that most couples would never, ever in a million years talk about. I know what story you're going to tell. And so <laughs> in one area that that's kind of um, shown up is in the area of like being attracted to other people. So like I remember, you know, one time where we were at a restaurant mm-hmm. on a date and hostess comes, walks us to our table. And when we sit down, hostess leaves and you ask me, do you think that she's attractive? And of course, my initial reaction is like, no, babe, of course not. You're the only girl in the world <laughs> that's attractive. Nobody else is attractive. They're all ugly. Oh my gosh. But that ain't real. You know what I mean? Like, And so I admitted, I was like, yeah, I did think that she was pretty. I did find her attractive. And I think that that level of honesty has been so important in our relationship and even more than you know that that was a simple example because that was just like a little hostess you know that we'll never see again and you even did it the other day with this guy who was riding his bike outside like oh i found him attractive but even deeper than that there's been friends that that i've had where i've admitted to you hey i do find this person attractive Mm -hmm. and that was so hard to do because everything that culture tells me, everything that Christians tell me is to not say that, to keep that hidden. Yeah. Why would you ever tell your wife that? Like, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. But when I told you that, it just opened up that level of trust so much. And I think, you know, and you've even, you've experienced this firsthand in your walk with God. And I don't know how real you want to be on this podcast, but <laughs> you've experienced that completely firsthand where you've had people, leaders in your life, that have fallen, that have found themselves in adultery, found themselves doing things that cost them everything yeah, multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I always thought about what if that person, what if that man would have come to his wife and just right away her. and said, babe, I have an attraction to this girl. I think she's attractive. Mm-hmm. What would have happened is that wife, if she would have handled it, like what we're talking about today on the pod, she would have been grateful. She would have thanked him for saying that. Mm -hmm. And they could have put boundaries in place. They could have said, oh, okay, thank you so much for telling me. I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. So if I see you privately texting her, if I see you spending time with her alone, like I'm going to confront you about it and just say, hey, remember, we're we're holding each other accountable. And that's how it's been with our friendships. Like if I come to you and I say, hey, I'm attracted to this person, you can then hold me accountable. And like you said, the enemy works in the dark. The enemy works in private. Yep. So the more that we keep those things hidden, the more that we, if I were to just, something just as simple as that, like somebody that I see at church, a friend that I have an attraction to, that would be so simple. I could keep that private and it wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't even have to lie to you. Like it would be so easy to keep that private. Mm-hmm. But who's to say I'm not better than anybody else? Nobody's better than than this. Who's to say it wouldn't slowly over time, the more I talk to that person, feelings start to develop. And then you, every once in a while we are texting about church stuff. Nothing, nothing private, just church. You know, and, yeah. and that's how it works. It's literally how it works. Yeah. It never, you never wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'm gonna cheat on my wife today. You know what I mean? Like that never happens, but it's those small things when you're not honest, when you're not real with your spouse or with your friends or with your whoever. Yeah. And I have seen it, you know, with, like you said, a spiritual leader. Um, I've also experienced it personally. I've been cheated on even, uh, (laughs) I'll go ahead and tell this quick story. I had an ex-boyfriend who I knew he had an attraction to this girl that we went to school with. Um, she was in choir with us. And I, I confronted him about it. And he said, you know what? It's nothing. I don't view her that way. I view her like a sister. And so I believed him. But I will tell you this. Not long after that, we broke up. 
And soon after that, they were dating. So my hunch, the thing that I came to him, which was hard to do, you know, for a girlfriend to come to a boyfriend and say, hey, I, I, I feel insecure about this. I just want to talk about it and keep it real. I was right. And there have been many instances in my past where I sensed that the person that I was with had an attraction to someone else, but we couldn't talk about it or they would just lie about it or deflect or push it under. But like you said, it snowballed slowly but surely over time into something bigger and it caused destruction. And because I've seen that personally, because I've seen that in the church, because I've seen it in, in marriages in my family, I came into marriage telling Grant, hey, babe, <laughs> I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. And for me to feel safe in our marriage in this area, I completely and totally know the truth is we are going to be attracted to other people. We are going to find other people attractive. That's how it is. So knowing that, can we just be honest with each other if you feel attracted to someone's personality, if you feel attracted to someone's body or face or whatever it may be, it would make me feel so safe if you did not hide that from me. Mm-hmm. It would make me feel so safe if you did have an attraction that was maybe bigger and like problematic that we could put boundaries in place to where you're not, you know, all up in her grill all the time <laughs> or, you know, where we could be healthy in our marriage and in our thought life. And, you know, because I don't want to be one of those statistics, you know. I don't want to be in the grasp of the enemy. I want our marriage to succeed. And so I needed that from the very beginning. And to this day, we talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that because of that honesty, um, you know, we're obviously we're believing God that that honesty is going to just create an environment where we're not going to have to worry about any of that stuff because exactly. we're being open, we're being transparent. And yeah. I think that, you know, that desire to hide that you just talked about in, in your ex was a product of an, an, a church environment that did not facilitate a culture of authenticity, you yeah. know? So that person, it was funny because when you said it, I was like, that's the perfect church answer. Oh, no, I just see her as a sister. Like, (laughs) bro, like how many times have you said that in the church world? You know what I mean? Like, that's the perfect Christian answer. Like, oh, no, she's just a sister in Christ and we just are (laughs) friends. Like, and but it's like that person felt the need to be something different, to put on, to put on this face because they were a leader in the church. And you know what I mean? And it's so unhealthy because we see that in churches all around the world is that people are being fake. They're putting on, they're putting on this image. They're not being real when they're struggling. They have nobody to go to when they're struggling. And because of it, they end up leaving the church. They end up having a colossal failure. They end up becoming not even being Christians at all. Like we've just seen so many things happen because of it. And, um, you know, I think we all need to realize that God uses weak people. Like look at everybody in the Bible. Like Moses was a murderer, right? Like Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Like Jesus comes from the lineage of these people. Like Peter denied God three times. Like there just so many times in scripture you see God using weak people, people that aren't perfect, people mm. that are not, but the, the the thing is they were okay with them not being okay. Yeah, and they kept it in the Bible, you know, like Literally. if I were writing my story, there are some things that I would really not want to put in there, but you know, David put Bathsheba in there in the bathtub. He told everybody what he did. He owned up. He kept it real. Yeah, you know, a lot of people think that the gospel of Mark is from Peter's perspective, right? Like Mark wrote it down, but it's all from Peter's perspective. Well, in Mark is the story of Peter denying Jesus three times. Mm -hmm. So like when I read that in my mind, I'm like, Hey, if I'm writing my biography, I'm probably going to leave out the part where I betray the savior of the world. Like, I don't know. (laughs) That just doesn't seem like something I would want in my autobiography. Right. But he kept it in there because 
he understood that he wasn't perfect and he understood by that by him being real and authentic and showing that people could grow from that people could learn from that and people have 2000 years later people are still reading that story and learning from it and growing from it mm-hmm. and so i think by us being fake we're robbing people of that opportunity not only are we robbing ourselves of growth we're robbing other people from growth because god uses weak people god uses people that aren't perfect you know like every human being in the world is is imperfect they all have struggles yeah. and they all have things that they're going through that they're working through and i think we need to first off we need to be okay with that second off we need to create an environment where if where we let other people be okay with that you know and again it's not staying there like you know the the, the famous cliche is like god loves you the way you are but he loves you too much to let you stay there yeah. right so it's lo- it's 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 loving people where they are but it's also helping them to grow right right and we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and i think a lot of christians are comfortable with sharing very strategically certain parts of their testimony parts that they feel comfortable parts that make them look really really good but we need to surrender to god our entire testimony god Mm. wants to use the the entire story of our lives to just help people overcome that's our power that's our strength is in our testimony and so There's a lot of people out there, including myself, who are getting used to this idea of keeping it real, of sharing our entire testimony whenever God asks us to do it, being ready to keep it real with people. People need to hear the truth. People need to see that we're not perfect. Christians aren't perfect. We're people. And people need to grab on to hope that, hey, if Megan could do it, if she could overcome, if Grant could overcome, we can too. I love it. So in conclusion, <laughs> in conclusion, um, be okay that you're not okay. Understand that God is going to use your weakness. Be real. Be authentic. And give people an opportunity to do that by not judging them, by being empathetic, by seeing them as who they are, not as their mistake, by not being shocked when they mess up, but being thankful that they were willing to say that to you by not judging people, by not gossiping. The, this is how we be, this is how we create a culture of authenticity, not this in the church, but in our friendships, in our marriages, in our, families and our relationships and everywhere in between Mm -hmm. and make sure that you know we're on this podcast keeping it real with you guys but if you do need to be honest with someone make sure that it's someone that you can trust you know make sure it's someone that will cherish and treasure what you're telling them and keep it private You know, if you're not ready to go public with your testimony and you're healing and you're growing in that process we talked about, make sure that you're keeping it real and being honest with someone who you can trust. Right. Not everybody needs to know your mess, but somebody (laughs) needs to know your mess. That's it. Well, we hope that this encouraged you today. We hope that this, um, again, we're having these conversations just to hopefully encourage people and take steps forward. And uh, man, we just, we, we hate that the church is not a place where people can be real. We hate it so yeah. much. And we hate that people are fake. And we hate that people feel like they have to put on because it's not what Jesus wanted. It's not the precedent that Jesus set. It's not what you see when you read the Bible. It's, it's nowhere in scripture to be fake and to put on and to be perfect at all times. Mm-hmm. And so we're just really hoping that this conversation is going to encourage you in some way to create that atmosphere where people can be real and to be real yourself, man, be yourself, be real. Like this is who I am and I'm growing every day and I'm not perfect. You guys are going to see that on this podcast (laughs) that neither of us are perfect. We both have many flaws, but 
we're okay with them because we know that God's going to use that and that we're growing every single day. We're getting better every single day. And uh, we hope you're doing the same. Yeah. Grant and I just want to be the change that we want to see in our world. And so we love you guys. Thanks for listening. All right. See y'all next time. Bye.